Welcome back to the Lost Previews, where we talk about the preview chapters of The Lost Metal. That is book four of Mistborn Era 2. I'm very sorry that we skipped last week. I was on vacation and we had some things going on. So this time we're going to have a double feature for you, a little bit longer episode. With me, I have Marvin. Hi, I'm Felio. <laughs> And I'm at Felcandy with the 17th Shard. So let's just dig right in. Last time that we were talking about the chapters, we didn't go over the rest of chapter two. So we'll go into that and then start from five through nine. So the last time we covered chapter two, that was an incomplete reading actually from Brandon and we got the rest as part of the official release. And it turns out that this bill that uh, the Senate wanted to pass for supremacy of Elendil over the rest of the basin is put to a vote and it passes. So Wex's campaign, basically it, it fails. So uh, he is not successful and he's pretty upset about it. So this is leading into chapter five. And yeah, in his Senate chamber, he finds uh, Steris and his kids and like he talks to them and Steris is also pretty upset, of course, about all her work being fruitless, more or less, or Wax is upset about it for her. But he also finds a little envelope with earring in it and a note that says, you need to make a second once the proper metal arrives. So uh, this note comes from Harmony, as he suspects. And yeah, so then they leave for home and Steris and Kath the governess and also the little Tinwill, their daughter, they leave by car, which is driven by Hoyt <laughs> and Max and him, because Max wants to cheer him up, <laughs> but also just he wants to go flying. So they leave by, yeah, by steel pushing more or less. So um, through Wax's elementic powers. And now in chapter seven, as they are flying through Elendal, they see a Melvish airship and as first, Wax thinks it's a trade ship. It later, later turns out to be a warship, uh, as he finds out. And yeah, he takes them home to their penthouse in Alstrom Tower, where they play a little game of Elementic Fetch, where basically Wax like, throws away a ball elementically, and then they go fetch it again. And yeah, when the ship then it approaches that tower, actually, it turns out to be a warship, and they decide, or Wax decides to approach it. And on this ship, he finds Captain Dahl, who turns out to be the new ambassador of the Melvish to, of the now Melvish consortium to the Elendil Basin. And yeah, so they have a bit of a conversation about the current political situation and how they each benefit from each other. And little Max, he has to go to the toilet while they are talking. And so they have to wait for him. And it's a little, yeah, awkward, the situation, because they have to wait for him to be finished and uh, talk during that. And after he's Max is done, they go back home. And Max briefly also discusses this his conversation he had with Dal with Ceres again. And finally, they receive or have received an invitation from Marasi to meet up at the mansion, probably the Ladrian mansion. And apparently it's about exciting news, which we'll find about later this episode. So yeah, what, what were your thoughts? My first impression after reading about Wax and Max hanging out <laughs> was that um, Brandon Sanderson is definitely a dad. <laughs> <laughs> 100%, yeah. 
I I just loved seeing Wax, you know, playing with Max and playing their little game where he'd have Max throw the the ball with a little metal piece mm-hmm. inside it up and then he pushes it somewhere and I just thought that was really cute and it was like <laughs> a nice look into what Wax's life is like now. Oh yeah, definitely. And also just that he had a little leather harness made specifically mm-hmm. for carrying Max around or his kids. He probably might do it with Tinville as well if she gets old, or when she gets older. And that's just so cute. And yeah, it's I still can't get over the fact that his name is Maxillion. <laughs> but I'm having that very I cute <laughs> child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another point is, is that Wax actually mentions within the chapter is that he is now content and like he really feels like he belongs in Elendil society mm-hmm. now mostly due to his family and his love for Steris and his children. While during the previous books, it has always been like, okay, he's he thinks more about how he fit in better at the, in the roughs and how he doesn't like city life. And yeah, I find this really nice that he also seems to slowly be getting over Lassie's death, or her two death, I guess. So um, yeah. Uh, death 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> he's starting to c- cope with it and like feel better about it. Or not better about it but he feels better accepting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i actually last night just finished a reread of actually a listen of shadows of self and Mm -hmm. so the ending of that is just just so Uh down and so sad and so it's like a real big juxtaposition to this where it's like several years in the future from then and how different things have done. And he even mentions when he's standing up at the top of the tower and he's looking down and he barely sees any horse-drawn carriages and there's airships in the air and like technology is just booming at Mm -hmm. this rate. And he's just kind of accepting it now instead of being like the grumpy, like, well, back in my day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So now he's, he's really just embracing it. I think embracing the change and moving on basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But something that is interesting about this technological technological change is that they haven't like or the Malwish haven't shared their airship technology with them, which I found I mean it's very understandable and they need add metal for it, which is very precious. But it's still like okay, they they are not like openly sharing everything with each other, and that's also something Wex later on mentions that like Eliki never really or when he talks about the medallions and how they're made and things like that, you always leave something out or tells them an obvious lie where like Wax can see, you know, this isn't how it works. Uh, so yeah, very interesting dynamics still between the no- uh, Northerners and the Southerners. Yeah, there's a lot of um, interesting things happening with technology. Like they're talking about this warship that's showing mm-hmm. up and it's huge and it's very obviously not a trade ship and how they haven't really shared a lot of the information and they're not they don't really talk about even the medallions with them about like how they're being made or produced or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of tensions between oh, them. Understandable because oh, of yeah. everything that was like the bill failing, how, you know, they're, they're doing this uh, supremacy bill and. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting shift. Also, I feel like when now that apparently the Southerners have like united uh, under the Melbourne and, that they now have like an SS consortium or whatever. And now they send a new ambassador who's obviously a lot more warlike than the one we saw before, who they also, uh, who Dahl says, like she became too familiar uh, with the Northerners. So um, mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't be like Brendan has said before that we won't see too much of the Southerners in this book, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Area 3 would be like a Cold War sort of situation between the two nations or continents or whatever you, it ends up as. I could definitely see that being like a consequence of all this. We even saw in the previous chapters new technology and weapons and mm -hmm. everybody is using it and it's not just the Malwish. So um, there's definitely going to be that touch from the Malwish technology in this book, but maybe not as much of the political maneuvering yeah. with them. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I found that line from Darby interesting when he said like, oh, we, we, we could have bombed your entire city in like minutes or whatever, like very quickly. And it would have been reduced to rebels. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. that's, I mean, they could with the at metal like bombs, probably. <laughs> yeah, but that's not probably not how you want to talk to somebody with political power. Like, <laughs> could really realistically put it into Senate and say, "Okay, I got a, received a threat from the Southerners." But yeah, interesting dynamic between the nations. But Wax is thinking after he talks with Dahl, he's thinking like, "I don't think they're quite as advanced as they're saying that they are. I don't think they quite have." as much of the technology as they're bragging about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's also with the medallions where I said, like, okay, some powers aren't available to them, mm -hmm. apparently. So speaking of powers, we see that Wax got some kind of a letter from He Thinks Harmony with some a spike earring, and he says a note that says, you need to make a second once the proper metal arrives. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be this new metal that's... Uh, gonna be explored it seems like yeah probably trallium as we'll find out or see some later as well again and mm -hmm. we already saw in palm so yeah it's exciting somehow that we need to uh, explore probably hemolurgy in this book but also like do we really want to explore hemolurgy <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a fascinating idea, especially with the whole theme of mind control with these spikes and stealing it from others and rate of return and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things to keep in mind when talking about the different spikes. And it's been used as a plot device, too, and all throughout Mistborn. Mm -hmm. It's like, on the one hand, I guess it is exciting that Himalaya finally becomes sort of a a primary aspect of the books as well, because mm. it's sort of like we had Himalurgy, but it's always been like, okay, it's a thing that exists, but due to the nature of it, none of the main characters explored in any way. And now we're finally getting some insights into it. And yeah, I wonder just how much Wax will be doing with it because he also has like this strange relationship to Harmony at this point. Yeah. He kind of just dismisses the note and he's like, I'll just deal with that later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, understandably. Is there anything else in uh, Wax's chapters that you wanted I mean, to talk to? There's Hoyt. <laughs> so. Oh, right. He shows up. He's the yeah. carriage driver. Mm -hmm. The car driver at this point, but yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Car driver. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder what he's doing um, here. Especially because it's been like, what, six years now since the last book? Has he been sticking around for this mm -hmm. entire time? And. Like, we know that he goes to places that are interesting and, like, mm -hmm. or his fortune or whatever carries him. But six years seems like a long time for him um, to stick around. So was he, like, I don't know how that works logistically 
with him being a driver, like that's a pop proper job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Well, they know him by name. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he was there right after the vote. Um, and I don't know if that's just me like being suspicious whenever he's being mentioned, but it feels like he wanted to be there to bring Steris and Wax back home so maybe he could have some kind of conversation or something or just like overhear them talking. And then Wax decides to fly off instead. So <laughs> we didn't quite get any yeah. interaction between them. I definitely think that he like he inserted himself as driver for Wax Wax uh, specifically so he could be close to this important person. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like, I do think he's legitimately just his normal driver and doesn't only sometimes drive him, which is like an odd thing for Hoyt because even as a wit in some area, he would constantly leave and like not be there. But you can't exactly mm-hmm. do that when you have to drive somebody around. But yeah, maybe he still does it and just says, okay, here, uh, take this other driver for now. Yeah, that is a good point. Like he has to be really dependable in this kind of a job where he's picking them up at a certain time. So he can't just go traipsing about <laughs> the whole Cosmere. <laughs> yeah, or play a beggar somewhere else. Yeah. Right. So he forgets to take his mustache off. He's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess one final thing about these Wax chapters was when Wax was playing fetch again with Max, which I forgot to mention earlier, is that Max invented the game, apparently. Mm. So what I really want to see, and I hope, or yeah, I almost am sure we are going to see in the Era 3 books, is Elementic Sports, sort of like, I don't know, Quidditch or whatever, is in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some sort of elementically enhanced sports. So I wonder when do people snap in in this era? Like, is it is it like a just a natural process? It's I know that it's uh, more humane. There's a wob somewhere that Harmony didn't like it, um, so he changed the way that they do it or introduced knowledge about how to reveal their elemental yeah. power. It's definitely changed, and I think like it changed to be more humane in a way, like that you don't have to almost beat somebody to de- uh, death only for mm-hmm. them to snap. So or have some but, traumatic yeah. experience. But we don't have any specific, I think, and I feel like it's a perfect opportunity for like little Max. Maybe we're going mm-hmm. to find out if he has any powers, um, and they're going to make I mean, him snap. A huge plot in in era two was them trying to breed alamancers and we have wax you know having children now and he's a twin born mm-hmm. and i mean we don't really know anything about steris but <laughs> well we do know that there's like potential there because she was one of the ones mm-hmm. who got kidnapped so right so maybe it can like skip a generation mm-hmm. or something so that'd be really interesting to see anything um with max or even little tindwill <laughs> yeah probably not in this book though i actually wouldn't be too surprised if like as i don't know if max turns six now and maybe there it's that's like their age where they say okay now it's time for the ritual i could could see mm-hmm. it but maybe not yeah maybe it's too young still it was really cute when um max was using wayne's little sayings about bad mm, oh, words yeah. <laughs> and that was like a callback just just to the prologue <laughs> from this book where definitely. Wayne, when he was a little kid, he was saying bad turds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like in general, like Wayne is this funny uncle character, sort of uh, fulfills this sort of role for for Max. It's also when he's on the toilet on the warship and like 
he traded their toilet paper for something because they have fancy <laughs> white toilet paper. And when Sarah asks, what did you trade it for? Like, well, what would you trade? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yeah. so, it's just cute little little boy humor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, And Wayne humor. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was really cute because Wayne is stepping into this uncle role mm -hmm. and he's kind of counteracting Wax and Steris who are very proper and they're working in political roles but Max has this uncle who's teaching yeah. him you know kind of street smarts a little mm -hmm. bit <laughs> yeah it's also like an interesting juxtaposition just when Rex is talking to this new ambassador like very serious and it Basically, the fate of their nation is a little on the line, and then little Max comes, oh, uh, fancy toilets and whatever. Bathroom. Yeah, so definitely. <laughs> Cuts the tension very yeah, well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's sort of almost like he is the way, like Brandon wrote this specifically, so he is the Wayne to Wax now, now that Wayne is off with Marasi, probably. It's like he mm -hmm. sort of fills the role a little bit now, yeah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. All right. So that was chapter, the rest of chapter two. That was chapter five and chapter seven and nine. Yeah. So after all of that was going on, we also had some chapters with Marisi and Wayne just kind of bouncing between the two. So we'll go over those. So in chapter six, we have uh, Marisi continuing and she confronts the cycle man that she found and she was chasing him and uh, she has a grenade that has some kind of a steel pushing effect and she uses it against him makes him lose his gun and then he shows up with this brutish muscly build and she realizes that he has this fairing ability and as he's being confronted by her he actually mentions to her that Trell specifically wants her the law woman so that's kind of an interesting little tidbit that we get from him. He also happens to have gold Farrakami because he's healing. And as he corners her and it looks like he's about to overtake her, his eyes turn red and he says some creepy words and she uses a grenade, another seal pushing grenade, and it pushes her all the way away from him. And uh, they kind of scuffle and she manages to dig out his spikes as he's trying to reheal. And once she removes the one trellium spike that we see, uh, he dies. Then in chapter eight, <laughs> she's leaving from that area and she's all bloody. And she finds Wayne and he's playing cards with the gang that he uh, was left to tie up with his speed bubbles. And then they have their little plan called instant backup. And Marisi puts this big speed bubble up or a slow bubble mm -hmm. up. And uh, she's waiting there with the with the guys who are tied up. And Wayne goes to get some more of the police force to help out. And as she's waiting for Wayne, there's a mysterious woman who shows up with a mask. And she doesn't say anything. She doesn't enter the speed bubble. And then she leaves before Wayne returns. And that's where we'll end up with them. So obviously the, the big thing here is the cycle and how he talks to Marasi and that he has a trellium spike in him. Uh, yeah, and 
before he dies, he delivers this little speech to her about like the world of ash returning and things like that, or like that the ash comes again. And that's really creepy that his eyes also mm. go red. So yeah. Yeah, he says a lot of interesting things. So I'll just read the quote because it's kind mm. of spooky. <laughs> it says the ash comes again, the man said through bloody lips, his voice strangely grating. The world will fall to it. You will get what you deserve, and all will wither beneath a cloud of blackness and a blanket of burned bodies made of ash. Your end, the voice whispered, your end comes, either in ash or at the hands of the men of gold and red. Gold and... Then he dies. <laughs> yeah. So she, in her... Uh, point of view she's thinking like this is kind of a strange mm -hmm. grating voice and then even later on she's like thinking about how terrible it was and how the message was really strange i don't know about anyone else but this kind of reminds me of like a death rattle mm -hmm. from stormlight it's very prophetic sounding yeah yeah it is the same thing that oh not the same thing but very similar to what miles said Uh, mm. Miles Hundred's life at the end of Eloy Florbin before he was executed, where he also talks about like these men of gold and red, which will come to like kill them all or dominate them all. So mm. yeah, who are these men of gold and red? Uh, is the question. Yeah. Probably minions of Trell at this point, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's the prevailing theory. Mm. <laughs> Actually, it's uh, there's another mention that the cycle uh, says and. He's talking about how he's going to earn his place by by killing Marisi. But right before that, he mentioned that Trell wants Marisi. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. does Trell take like zombie mm -hmm. hosts or avatars or something? Like, does he revive them or does he do something with their cognitive shadow? Like, who knows? <laughs> Maybe these are yeah, cognitive, like basically Trell fused, if you will. In a way, like he takes their cognitive shadow and sticks them into yeah. new bodies or even their old bodies or something like that. Their eyes shine red mm -hmm. when he's talking through them. It's a lot of parallels with things that we've seen in other books in the Cosmere. Yeah. It, he, he, uh, the cycle does use the term avatar, avatar here for something mm -hmm. that Trell chooses. And avatar is. <laughs> A charged term in the Cosmere. So, because like Babadin autonomy has avatars, and mm -hmm. the prevailing theory at the moment is that Trell is one of the avatars. So, is, is the are these is this the Cosmere term avatar, or is it just like avatar in the general sense that he mm -hmm. chooses people to like, possess or represent him? Um, yeah. I mean, the word avatar is kind of like a general term mm -hmm. for a host or oh, yeah. some kind of a an image of something that's representing something else. So it could just be that, but I think that word is being used for a reason. I don't no. think that it's just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't learned much yet, but like things are gearing up now. Like Trell is getting more involved mm -hmm. and yeah. Uh, I think Brandon said that we won't deal with Trell in this book. And that's it's he's more. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, like all of Marcy's chapters have been about. <laughs> sorry, like deal with as in fight him directly and like finish him off more or less. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, he's a real 
an era three oh, threat that we are now so fully setting not, up. He's yeah. not like the big bad mm -hmm. of this book. Yeah, I, well, I, I get, he, he really is because <laughs> I, but I guess it's more like the set is the big bad for this book mm. and they serve Trell, but Trell themselves isn't like the focus yet in a way, I guess is mm. how it works. Yeah. But yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to finding more about <laughs> these oh, yeah. men of God Red um, and everything. This whole part with the cycle is interesting because she, Marcy pulls out his trellium spike in that as what finishes him off, which is kind of interesting because I was, I went back and looked at the, the picture with all the spikes in the body, the hemallergic table. And I actually noticed on there that it says that people will have a steel linchpin in order to counteract mm -hmm. some deadly side effects of having four spikes. And it's very distinctly mentioned in this that he has four spikes in his ribs so uh, I, it's kind of interesting that maybe this trellium spike is doing something that counteracts that. It's yeah. almost like it's it's controlling them, like it's, the one that was in the sternum. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we know, I think that four spikes grant you the ability to fully control a human soul because they mm -hmm. get so damaged that you can fully control it with emotional element, elementcy. So I wonder whether... Like, is the trellium spike enough for Trell? Or I, I assume the Trell is controlling them directly or at least somewhat directly when they have the glowing red eyes. Is mm. only the trell, trellium spike responsible for that? Or is it that they have four spikes or that this cycle in this case had four spikes? Like, that's something mm. I'm not yet sure about. It's kind of like, like a red herring mm -hmm. that he has four. Yeah, yeah. So... That's also why I'm thinking, like, or why I thought about, is this trellium spike, was it important that she removed the trellium spike specifically, mm. that he now then died, or was it simply that whatever, like, that it was four spikes that they were kept alive by just being a puppet, and as soon as one spike was out, the control was gone, and mm. they weren't yeah, a puppet Like a mystery or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, could that's a be good point, though. It's kind of intentionally obfuscating the, oh, yeah. the mm -hmm. reason for the different spikes. Yeah, this whole sequence with the sequence with <laughs> the, the cycle it was really interesting. It gave me more questions than answers oh, for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. So something that I found interesting in general is that the set now apparently grants a lot of spikes to these lowly officers. Or as well, like a cycle is the lowest ranking officer and he has four spikes. So clearly they probably have enough spikes at this point to just mm -hmm. give them out to people. And yeah, it's really concerning for how yes. yeah, they, the people Definitely. might have. Because they, you have no idea what combination of abilities these people have. So there's no way to really prepare for a fight with one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess, so he had... Four spikes, of course, and we know that he had what's it, pewter ferrucomy, so strength mm -hmm. storing, and he had gold ferrucomy, so gold, healing. Yeah, what did he have a third power, or was it more like mental fortitude or whatever that some of them grant, like the more weird ones? Mm. And what did the trellium spike store? Did it store any power, or was it just because that's something I For also control. could see? Mm -hmm, yeah, that. Mm -hmm. 
maybe the Trillium Spike actually contains the cognitive shadow of someone, and that's what's controlling them, or the body? That was what I was thinking. That yeah. was my theory when I was kind of wondering, what does this do? Yeah. So I could definitely see that happening, because it's also like the theory with how Kelsia got back into a body that he mm -hmm. basically put his soul yeah, into a spike. On. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, maybe, maybe not in the spike, but somehow like as a grafting sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, still I definitely agree that more questions than answers in this chapter. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually really interesting. So I was wondering, maybe a cycle is not necessarily a low level, but maybe it's more like an enforcer or someone who is given more fighting ability than mm -hmm. other abilities. And then maybe the other sets, uh, the other yeah. members, or, yeah, the ranks, <laughs> the other members. Yeah. They, they get different ability, like a different selection of abilities. Yeah. So maybe they separate people like that instead. Could, could be the case. Because yeah, he's, like he mentions to Marisi that by capturing her or killing her or whatever, that he gets immortality. Mm -hmm. So he's yeah. just fighting for like, I don't know, a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's interesting in general, like how, what exactly is true about that, that he's telling mm -hmm. her, like, does he actually get, would he actually get something out of it if he killed her? Or is it just like, Okay, Trell says tells this the people or the higher ups in the set tells this, so they are more fanatic. Mm. Could could go either way, yeah. It's almost it's almost like religious in in a way. Oh like, yeah. Actually, it's definitely religious <laughs> in a way because they're they're worshiping this mysterious otherworldly god, mm -hmm. um, and yeah. and they're just trying to earn their space in their version of heaven i guess like their immortal immortality yeah. and kind of creepy <laughs> definitely yeah and i think i don't think we talked about it yet but why would trell particular want marasi in particular hmm. like do you have any theories there or no i mean i was just thinking maybe it's because she's very intelligent very like kind of a go-getter like she rose in the ranks very mm -hmm. quickly because of her ability as an investigator but i was also thinking maybe it had something to do with her ability because we haven't seen anyone else have her her allomancies yeah i don't know if that's very rare or not maybe they're looking for something to, more time manipulative hmm, maybe yeah it something that i just came up with is and probably isn't quite right, but she also she had you has used the bands before, so maybe her mm -hmm. spirit web is swapped in some way that's like useful for Trill. Probably it might just be like that she's a very clever person and like a useful asset to have. Probably also against Wax in general. Like uh, if they have Marasi, they're going to be in a more powerful position uh, for mm -hmm. negotiations and whatever. Yeah, very interesting chapters here. I I was really interested to see the direction that this book is going. Um, oh yeah, mm -hmm. especially we have some more setup here now. Like apart from all that with the cycling, we have seen that the trellium spikes rep is repelled by other spikes, which might oh, just be that it's right, yeah yeah from a different metal, but it could also be something mm -hmm. that's because of the charge 
maybe. I don't know. It's, it's kind of magnetic in a way where it has yeah. a repelling magnetic force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she had to store it in her belt, like in a separate spot from the other spikes that she was collecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we, of course, also see this mysterious woman, which stands in front of Marasi for a brief mm. second. Yeah. Any ideas who that might be? <laughs> not a one. Not at all. <laughs> Same. Yeah. It's a new player has entered the arena. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure, but I th- suspect that it's one of the people that, like, in the blurb, it was mentioned that Marasi is approached by an off-world organization that wants to recu- mm. recruit her, and maybe that's one of them. I don't think we have any group in the cosmos that, like, wears black cloth masks yeah so so this mysterious figure shows up and she's wearing a black mask she has straight black hair and she doesn't she sees mercy because mercy is there and Mm -hmm. i'm assuming what they see is like she's just frozen like doing whatever she does and so this this person knows not to step into that bubble and just watches and then leaves before the constables arrive so it's it's hard to tell if this is a a bad guy or a oh, good yeah. guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't know. Is she there to help? Is she there to just see what's going on? Does she have something to do with these off-worlders that are trying to recruit Marisi? And that's another thing. When we talked about the blurb, the off-worlders are wanting to recruit Marisi. Why? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and now Trell is trying to re- recruit Marisi. Why? We don't know. So there's some kind of a mystery with Marisi going on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely also something that, I mean, it's obviously going to be explored in the book, but that's one of the things that I'm now most excited about um, to find out oh, more. Yeah. Who's this person? Why does Trill want her? Like all these things. Yeah. Did you, did you have anything else that you wanted to uh, say regarding the Marcy and Wayne chapters? No. I guess one final thing is that I found plan instant backup pretty neat. Like the name is pretty neat and it's a pretty useful application of Marasi's power. Powers because mm-hmm. previously they actually always thought even out of out of combat they weren't particularly useful, but here they found a use where mm-hmm. okay they can like get instant backup more or less, which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to see her her ability being used in a practical way mm-hmm. for her job. It's just really um, creative, I think, especially because she thought originally. I'm useless. I have the worst power. (laughs) Doesn't do anything. But now she's using it and it's like super handy, especially with these grenades that they've made. Mm -hmm. Okay. So last week we did not go over the broadsheet. And I would like to talk about the broadsheet now. Definitely. uh, Because it has some really interesting things. (laughs) So, uh, did you want to kind of give a little summary about what was going on in those? Yeah, sure. So, let me see. Yeah, okay. So, we have, let me see, how many articles are, is it like four articles or five articles that we can see? On this mm-hmm. section of the broadsheet, one of them is Henderwim presents Nikki Savage and the Compass of Spirits. So a new Nikki Savage story that we can talk about a little bit. Then something about the Elendil su- supremacy, probably that it threatens Bilming, maybe. So it's cut off there. But def- uh, something that talks about the supremacy bill that was passed in Elendil in the Senate. Then <laughs> a letter to the editor, editor about Sunipub ads. <laughs> Which is complaining that they aren't historically accurate at all. 
Then I guess a tutorial about a sport, I guess, or a game called Nosball, which is very dangerous, apparently. And, like, they don't want it uh, to be played anymore. Then there is, yeah, an article about The Man Who Electrified Time, which is a novel by, yeah, some author from Bilming. And finally, there's, like, an ad, I guess, for somebody looking for a Bendaloy misting who would cook for them or be a cook at their cafe. Yeah. I love that idea of a misting having a restaurant and being able to cook these like you know long cooks mm-hmm. really quickly and serve it to their guests that's yeah. such a great little piece of world building yeah definitely <laughs> and you mentioned earlier you, that you wanted to see sports and we have a sport yeah i'm not sure if it's elementically enhanced i guess the game of death himself no sport i Maybe it uses... Noseball? What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Noseball? <laughs> Maybe it's sort of like like when you always headbutt the, the ball or something like a football. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Um... <laughs> it's called the game of death itself, mm-hmm. or himself. Himself, yeah. <laughs> Noseball. So maybe Marsh did invent it. <laughs> it would be kind of fun, but I doubt it, yeah. But yeah, I like all these articles in general. Like the Nikki Savage story is going to be pretty interesting. Also that it's now presented by Henderwim because last time we had mm-hmm. a Nikki Savage story, it was presented by Alomancer Check. And apparently mm-hmm. I think we saw somewhere that, I can't remember where it was, that they like parted ways, Henderwim and Alomancer Check. But I could be mistress, um, remembering that. Mm. That little story has some really interesting things like, I was reading, I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the aluminum dinosaur bones that two chondra merge to be able to turn into this ornithosaur. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, this is just wild. Uh-huh. And I wonder, the. of course, it's going to be like embellished a little bit and not quite true. Yeah. But I thought that the Nikki Savage stories were at least somewhat grounded in fact. <laughs> this doesn't sound a lot like that. But who knows? Maybe that really was her story. Maybe we'll find out at some point in like Isaac's Nikki Savage stories. <laughs> mm, oh, I'm so excited for those Nikki Savage. I think that that's going to be really fun to read. Like just a really fun mm-hmm. story. Just like what the people of Ellendale would probably do. They'd find their next chapter and everybody would you know, go around the newspaper and listen to someone read it out loud. I just, I I can't wait for the Nikki Savage. Books. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. The other fun thing I found in the broadsheet was this letter to the editor about a Sunni uh, incorporated or whatever ads that depict an a historically inaccurate Tensoon or Sunni pub because mm. in like, when fan artists draw Tensoon, they often draw an Irish wolfhound because in the books mm. he's called a wolfhound. And everybody like just assumes that that's what Brandon meant by that. But there's are some wops that like Brandon is like, oh, everybody draws him like that. And it's fine, of course, because people may draw him mm-hmm. however they want. But I feel like that's throwing a little bit of shade at this or like at this fact that there's a wop where Brandon says, no, he's actually more like a wolf who's also like. Uh, a dog, more or less, like a hound. Yeah, more like a husky or something like that, I guess. 
it it breaks it off in this little letter right in the middle of a word. So it says depictions of the ascendant warrior's companion as a T-E-R. So mm-hmm. it just breaks it off. It makes me wonder, like, what is that? Is it a breed of dog that they're going yeah, to be talking like about? Yeah, probably like something like Terris like Wolfhound or whatever. A terrier could also be, but <laughs> maybe because like it's an Irish Wolfhound in our world, so maybe Terris yeah. Wolfhound in theirs. I don't know, yeah. I wonder if when they plan out these newspapers, if they really put effort in breaking it off at just the right point oh, where it makes you like, oh, I got to get to the next they, one. Uh, who is it? Ben and Isaac, they almost certainly are for these. So, yeah. There's a lot of little um, tidbits in here because there's even a little section where the um, newspaper is re- retracting oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. someone's comments. So there was an editor, Kindlip. Turneville, and she was making really mean comments about the mayor, apparently, calling him an irascible bore, no smarter, less attractive, and unable to keep from rolling around in every mire he comes across. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that they actually, instead of retracting it, they just reprinted it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but, but what I also find interesting is apparently that this person vanished or like disappeared somehow. So, Mysterious Maybe disappearance. Some, yeah, less than like s- uh, civilized practices than building when mm. how they treat with uh, or deal with political dissenters. I don't know, but definitely want to see the rest of this. So uh, this is only a fourth again, probably of the of the broadsheet. Yeah, yeah, and, upper yeah. left quadrant mm-hmm. is probably what they'll yeah. call it in the audiobook. So definitely excited to see the rest of it, and especially the Nikki Savage story. If it, I assume it would continue there a little bit. So yeah, I really like that we also have a canon depiction of the governor and vice governor mm-hmm. here, a terrorist woman, and what's the governor's name? Var Varlance mm-hmm. Varlance, and then Ada Wathwin. <laughs> Love those terrorist names. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, I'm also interested then when we get the upper right quadrant of the broadsheet what exactly the newspaper is even called like it's the two something oh it says yeah. actually in in the uh, retraction it says it's called the two seasons ah okay okay cool. which is kind of interesting i wonder why it's called the two seasons do they only have two seasons on this uh part of the hemisphere i don't know <laughs> and and the top the very top the artwork behind the title of it, mm-hmm. it looks like a really high tech, oh, yeah. fancy mm-hmm. city with all of these spires and battleships, and a, it looks like a monorail or something mm-hmm. going around it. Yeah, like they depict. <laughs> it's <building> really, like- <laughs> really cool. So that's is that supposed to be Bilming? I assume so, or at least uh, that's wow. what they want Bilming to be like. I guess <laughs> city yeah. of the future. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of really nice um, little pieces of information in that that we didn't go over last last time. Mm-hmm. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> now we should be back on track, like in the coming weeks. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that has been our next episode of The Lost Previews, where we're going over Era 2's last book, The Lost Metal. Um, if you enjoyed that, please... Give us a like on our video and join us in our Discord on 17th Shard 
on our forums and SoundCloud, Patreon, wherever you can find us. Bye. Bye.